0: Oh, and welcome aboard the battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bach, and thank you for listening, David. Yeah, how you doing? Well, now I, I am a little
1: worried about the uh, dishwasher. <laughs> we spent we spent five minutes uh, assuring the guest that it was fine, and the uh, mic wouldn't pick it up. And then yeah. it, it, it just sort of just, the, the dishwasher was like, "I've got something to say about that." <laughs> we'll see. Don't and, count me out. Now, now it's fine. Yeah, yeah. But for a second there, it was uh, it was gurgling loudly.
0: All right. Speaking of gurgling loudly, yeah, uh, we have a guest. As I mentioned, <laughs> that seems mean. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, who do, who do we have with us? Oh, do you know? His, oh, okay, <laughs> we have uh, <laughs> we have filmmaker Greg Helvey greg hello you can say hi
2: <laughs> i'm waiting for my cue that's your cue i all said right. your name well, what, hey, what, what of a cue were you
1: waiting for than your name
2: i don't maybe for the gurgling sync to end <laughs> I and mean, i'm just you know paranoid filmmaker about the sound Honest, oh, yeah. on, on the set absolutely a quiet set
0: all right greg how you doing i'm doing great all right
2: how are you oh <laughs> i heard i already heard
0: i'm doing fine so all right I I w- we should
1: mention that that Greg and Tyler are friends and know each other and that's why Right, yeah, you're yeah. Acting no, so I'm not just being, weird.
0: I'm not just being <laughs> a jerk. Uh I am, but it's to a friend, so yeah. it's okay. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm I'm de- often on the receiving end of that. You're ab- absolutely. <laughs> well, maybe if you stop anyway. Um all right, so uh so Greg, I've got some good news for you. Yeah. The good news is that your short film Kavi Recently uh, wound up on the short list of nominatable films in the live action short category of the Academy Awards.
2: Thanks. Congratulations. <laughs>
1: Essentially nominated to be nominated.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. I, I found out on Friday afternoon. That's great. I actually got an email and it said, congratulations. You know, I was just scanning it live action. I was like, I didn't apply for that film festival. And then <laughs> and I look oh, always like, oh my gosh, it's from the Oscars. Like, <laughs> Woo! So you know, I did my little dance and screamed and jumped around the room and was really excited couldn 't believe it but this
0: oh go ahead uh, no you go ahead. but this is not your first brush with the oscars
2: no it 's not you have also won we uh, won the student academy award gold medal for um best short narrative gold so, medal It doesn 't get any better than that well, no, no, let's
1: let 's hold off on the, oh, right, on the right. talk okay. about the accolades. Cabby. Yeah. Until,
0: let's start with uh, getting to know Greg Helvey. Right. Here. I felt like qualifying it and saying, this is why he's here. Sure. Not just so. because he's a guy you know. Right, right. There's plenty <laughs> of guys I know. Jason Eakin, for example, who, that's right, Jason, you haven't been on the show yet again. So, he's been on the show. He's been on the show, but he keeps asking, asking like, hey, when am I going to be on the show again? Not yet. <laughs> All right. So, um, so yeah, Greg, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, How did you, uh, well, let's go all the way back to the beginning okay. I was warning you about this question And you seemed concerned Are you ready? I'm ready Alright, bring it on So when you, first, uh, when you first decided that you wanted to get into film um, what, what brought about that decision? Like how old would you say you were and, and, uh, and how did you come to that conclusion That this is something I want to do with my life?
2: Well, you know, it's funny because when I was a kid, um, if you look back at old home home movies, I always wanted to be in front of the camera or behind the camera, just anything to do with the camera and, um, made my own short films when I was, you know, I don't know, seven or eight, five or six, I don't know, somewhere in there and then totally forgot about it. When I got to high school, I was thinking about medicine, uh, and then in college I was thinking about, um maybe still medicine or travel journalism or foreign affairs, maybe diplomacy. And then um, my second year at UVA, I took a film analysis course and just fell in love with it and everything clicked. And I remembered, oh yeah, this is this is what I love to do. So that's when um, that summer I went to NYU for a beginning film production course because they actually didn't have any production when I was at um, university of virginia and it was just fantastic um, actually getting to make films on on super 16 and cut mag sound and i met a director through that and kind of talked my way on to working on her film set and just it kind of snowballed from there always looking for opportunities to get involved with film uh, in any way that i could um and then Excuse me. Uh, Are
0: there any, you know, specific films or filmmakers that you can point to and say, like, this is this somebody this is somebody who really uh, kind of not necessarily shaped me as a filmmaker, but somebody who kind of inspired me. Like you look at their films and like those were the films that kind of stirred you the most to 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 want to do this. Are there any that you can think of?
2: Um, Well, you know, the the films that I was first studying uh, in that film analysis course were. Um, Stanley Kubrick's films Martin Scorsese and Alfred Hitchcock mm-hmm. and those were just you know so packed with so much just so much um, that it really hooked me and I loved the idea that films are the combination of you know the three things that I love stories music and photography mm-hmm. and so that's really, you know, what drew me in. And, um, I think something else that really hooked me was later down the road, actually after UVA, I, uh, uh, moved to England and taught at a boarding school for about three years. And I got a job on the side as a projectionist in a small art cinema hmm. uh, down the road from the school. And I, uh, got to project and, see the 35 millimeter prints of um kristoff Kislovsky's three colors trilogy wow. and i just you know fell in love with those movies and, and i remember i was brought to tears by um watching those because they were so beautiful and such incredible stories and just you know just thinking how could i ever make something like that how it's just yeah it was just a very emotional experience so it's hard to pinpoint exactly um what in it drew me in but um yeah the, i i loved those films and his films and he's kind of someone i uh was really drawn to hmm. Kieslowski. Mm-hmm. did you see did you see uh uh what was it called heaven
1: the one that yeah that he wrote that tom tykeford directed what did you think of it
2: it was okay yeah, I mean I bet
1: it, it's better than I thought it was gonna be,
2: I think. I um uh, you know, I, it's just a shame that he passed yeah. so early. Yeah. Um but uh I you know, I, I loved the Decalogue, his mm-hmm. ten short films um for Polish T V and um I got to see some of his earlier documentaries in a retrospective in London when I was over there teaching. And um yeah, it was that's awesome so after uh, so uva then Mm -hmm. england then then what happened um then i started applying to film school and got into uh, usc and then moved from london to la and started in the master's program uh, at usc for production so writing directing just making films and um yeah, it was nice to move from the uh rain to the sunshine. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Although it's a little chilly today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um so now what are some of the some of the films that you that you made like when you first started making films uh what uh did you have any any sort of genre in mind or just kind of whatever struck you on the day?
2: No, you know, it, it takes so much effort to make a movie that i really wanted to make it count so actually i when when i first started film school um we had to make five short films in a semester and the first the first couple films were pretty i don't know just stylized kind of exercises with you know with interesting stories but my we had a mid-semester review and my professors were saying well now on your essay here, you say that you wanted to make films about important social issues and things like that. And But where is that? We haven't seen that yet. And, and, I, and I told them, I didn't think that you could really do that in short form. I think, you know, you need a longer form to, to tell stories like that. And they really pushed me on it, and I appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And so I started to reconsider how I approach even these short projects, And so my next film that I did, uh, in that class was, um, a short on, uh, sex slavery. Mm -hmm. And, um, after that I did another short on, um, uh, a a woman trapped in an abusive relationship. And, um, but the, the key for me was always trying to focus on the story aspect rather than on the issue Mm -hmm. aspect. And, um, so then, I had a couple of other projects. My uh, next bigger project was a um, documentary about called Overexposed, about how pornography affects men, mm-hmm. and we got Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla uh, to be in it, and that turned out great. And um, the website for that is overexposedthemovie.com. dot com. Um, and then after that was I was producing a friend's film in Kenya. We, he got the rights to a short story by a Kenyan author. Um, and the film was called the knife grinders tale. And so we, he, RL it's by RL hooker and he adapted the script. And then we went to Kenya and made this movie. And that was a great first experience to, um, producing a fictional film with a large crew overseas. Um, so, so yeah, and then uh, then it, when it was time to do my own film, my own thesis film, uh, I wanted to go overseas again. I wanted to raise awareness about an important issue, and so I um, did Kavi, which is about a boy in India who wants to play cricket, and he wants to go to school, but instead he's forced to make bricks as a modern-day slave. Sort of
1: an indentured servitude type of thing,
2: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, bonded labor. Yeah. Uh, and the reason I chose that specifically, we can get more into that later, but there's so much media about sex slavery and human trafficking, but not much um, talking about bonded labor and bonded labor is the biggest form yet least known type of slavery.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I guess it's not, uh, not very glamorous. And I know that sounds weird as far as like sex slavery. That's an important thing to know about. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, there's bonded, Labor doesn't have the. Uh, it's not as salacious. It's not as sordid, I would say, yeah. Um, and, uh, well, I did have a question actually about uh, 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 Overexposed, but more specifically, the. Because that, that was a documentary. Right. Um, and I forget, have you. Is that the. How long is that? That's like. That's
2: 25 minutes. 25 minutes. minutes. So mm-hmm.
0: that's fairly long, uh, you know, for a, for a short film. And so, uh, so you are just how How does making a documentary differ with uh making just a, a fictional narrative i mean it 's a whole you know whole whole other uh form i mean is it more difficult or less difficult in your opinion?
2: Well, I guess it depends on each film and each film that i 've done has been a real challenge so yeah. um, for overexposed, we only had um, one semester to do it okay. so and we were only allowed to really shoot on the weekends and you know, life doesn't only happen on weekends. Mm-hmm. And so we really had to really make the most of it and do the best we could with very little time. And we, I think we only had about sh- six weekends to shoot. And we were able to shoot on a couple of weekdays. But it was a real challenge because you're also asking men to open up about a pretty sensitive and personal topic. Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, just would you say uh, I know
2: Tyler? Kind of like
1: asked me not to talk about overexposed. I asked you both he, of you. I'm sorry because he feels like you and I are going to like butt heads over or something, which is not true. Hey, I haven't seen it, so I don't know what to say. But I, I am. It is a topic of interest to me. Is it when you say the way that pornography affects men? Do you mean? Is it, is it about like addiction or, or what? Well, basically,
2: we have one guy who wants to focus on his wife and he's having trouble getting the images out of his head. And we've got another guy who wants to incorporate pornography into his relationships and the, the uh, idea or philosophy of pornography into his relationships. And then cultural pundits like Dr. Drew, Adam Carolla, this woman, Pamela Paul, who wrote a book called Pornified, um, kind of commenting on the issue as we go. So well, I, uh,
1: I I really would it's, it is a topic that is fascinating to me and I would like to discuss it but I have to I think see it's it first. No, we, <laughs> we fascinating can talk to about most men fine. so and women <laughs> so
2: that's you know that's part of why I made it. And but
1: I, I I think I, I don't never mind. That's not exactly into it because I think Ty, Tyler has like. <laughs> tether's given me given me the impression that you and I are going to fight over something, and I don't think that's true. No, I mean,
2: we'll uh, bring me back for another episode of ba- Battleship Pretend. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely. We'll talk do talk all about We'll it.
1: do an episode on pornography. <laughs> nice, yeah, and then we could get Greg Fitzsimmons in here to. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, what is it?
0: He hosts. There's a comedian named Greg Fitzsimmons who hosts the the like the porn awards or something he like that. He did the AVN awards. Is that like what it was?
1: Last year, I think. But other like Jim Norton's host the AVN oh, awards. Geez. before. it's yeah, it's it's a
0: coveted prize among
1: uh Opie and Anthony type comics. Yeah,
0: adding Jim Norton to the proceedings actually somehow makes it all seem even more <laughs> even more uh, salacious as you say. Um All right, uh I was actually curious though. I'm i sorry to bring it up and now I look like a jerk. Anyway, but um uh, how did how were you able to get to, this was Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew I assume when Loveline was going um, well, Loveline right when, still right. uh, happens but, but Adam Carroll is not, not on, on it anymore right We right, got right him clearly. just before he left
2: Okay, um, how were you able to to secure that? Um, we it was we someone on my crew um, went to Dr. Drew's alma mater okay for undergrad and was able to connect with him that way and. He was really gracious. I mean, it it took a long time to get to him. It was the very end of the semester. He was the last guy we interviewed. Um I think it was on pickup weekend. And he gave us, uh, you know, a little less than 20 minutes. Um hmm. uh, right before the show start right before the show started and we just, you know, went to town and it was a fantastic interview. And, you know, it was this was my first documentary and by that point I had learned a lot, so I'm glad that he was the last person right. to interview. And, um, yeah, you know, I mean, the other thing that, that made this, uh, film a challenge was some of the faculty weren't really keen on the idea, um, to put it mildly, Hmm. but, um, then to follow up on that, the other end of that question, you know, how does that compare with making a fictional film? Well, with a doc, you never know what you're going to get. And so it's kind of scary. Uh, with a fictional film you still don't know what you're going to get cause, so yeah. it's kind of scary <laughs> yeah um but
1: um it it would actually seem that that lack of control would be more scary on a fictional film because i guess Cause in you're a, supposed in it, to yeah yeah in a documentary you kind of you go in knowing like let's see what we get and then we'll make a film out of it right. whereas if something come, hap, unexpected happens when you've got this sort of like more meticulously planned thing it would. It could be more uh, anxiety-inducing. Yeah.
2: Well, but you know, with Kavi, um, first of all, our shooting permit was rejected by the government of uh-huh. India, so um, we didn't know if 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 authorities were going to come and and uh, deport me. Um, <laughs> and it's it's in a foreign language. It's in Hindi. I don't speak Hindi. Um, we there were so many things that went into it. We can talk about it. I guess. Well, further down the show unless now yeah, we're, we're sort of time getting to do it.
1: getting there too. The, let's let's talk about coffee now okay
2: well so, um yeah i well i first got the idea you know i didn't know that slavery still existed and when i found out it just blew my mind that there's more slavery today than the entire 400 years of the african slave trade and a really conservative estimate is about 27 million people hmm. and I, uh, first, uh, went to, um, India about, uh, six years ago or seven years ago. I got a job when I was teaching in England, shooting, um, documentary footage for a BBC one science show in India and totally fell in love with the place, uh, with the people, the culture, the sights, sounds, it was kind of like a sensory overload in a, in a very exciting way. And I, Um, always wanted to return and um, I found out about the slavery thing um, when I was doing some work after undergrad at National Geographic Traveler magazine and the editor there I was working for was starting this nonprofit dealing with sex slavery and human trafficking in Eastern Europe so that kind of is what put it on the radar for me Mm -hmm. and uh, I mean I even remember I was so moved by it that at the boarding school where I was teaching I was like handing when I Um, When I could have hand out photocopies of the statistics to my students just to like to put it on people's radars. But, you know, what better way to put it on people's radars than by telling a good story, um, making a movie. So when the opportunity came up to make this thesis film, I really just wanted to make the most of it and also create a story that um, anti-slavery organizations could use to as a tool to raise awareness. Yeah. So that's another p- one of my goals with the film is just to get it into the right hands of the organizations who can um, gain support for uh, the work, the good work that they're doing. And so I started writing the script. I was researching it. I had read about these brick kilns in India, Yeah, let me, let me tell you
1: for a second. Like, did you, did you choose India because you wanted to go to India or is there is, is that, like, is there more bonded labor in India than in, than in other places? Is it, is, is it more common there? Or just, I guess, why India, is what um, I'm saying?
2: India because, uh, A, I wanted to go back, fell in love with it, wanted right. to go share that experience with an audience, and, B, because there is a lot of bonded labor there. But, you know, slavery is a global thing, and yeah. it's in every country. But um, there are a lot of these brick kilns in India um, and logistically it seemed easier to go make a film in India than any other country because it's got a great film infrastructure. Uh. Uh, there, there, there was, um, a front page story in the New York times about these brick kilns in China, but that's not an option. Yeah. At least not now, um, for making a movie, but th- those are the two reasons. So I was reading a book about these brick kilns, um, In India, it's called Disposable People, and it's about how slavery um, is kind of supporting the global economy. And so I was making, you know, crafting this script based on research, but I decided that it would make most sense to go see this myself. So um, I started writing the script September 2006 and then went to India December 2006 for about a month and visited about 20 different brick kilns around the country met child workers and really used that experience to make the script as authentic as possible. And, you know, I remember I, at this one brick kiln, um, I met this young kid. He was just hauling bricks back and forth. And, uh, through the translator, I asked him how old he was and he said he didn't know either because he really didn't know because he had been working there for so long or Mm. maybe all of his life or because he was afraid, that he was going to get in trouble with the boss um, for revealing that he was underage. How difficult
1: was it to get into these, these kilns?
2: Well, um, I just kind of went and I just kind of played the uh, curious college kid who is looking to learn about brick making in India. And I had my camera and my video camera. I was just taking a lot of pictures and smiling and being very nice. And, Sometimes I would uh, have a taxi driver take me to brick kilns and I would just kind of wander around. And if I needed any translation help, um, I'd kind of do my best to use sign language or whatever right. um, or call someone back in Bombay who spoke English and had them translate on the telephone. Um, so but this, this he, But, uh, but each, of... one that, each one that I went into, uh, how easy was it to actually stay there that was a different story because a lot of places didn't want me there. And it was, you, it was, got a bad vibe and we were quickly asked to leave. I was there with my, with my brother, Joe and, um, other places seemed totally legitimate. And it was, uh, everyone was really nice. The kids had just come back from school. They were in their school uniforms. Mm-hmm. So you could tell, um, one way or the other or you got a feeling whether it was legitimate or not
1: right well let's talk for a second and move away from the uh, the social aspect and just talk about the filmmaking aspect because okay. I, I watched this about an hour ago and it, it's a really well made film it, thanks it's, it's very good mm-hmm. uh, it's for those just it's called Kavi K-A-V-I uh, we talked about what it's about but um, let's start with just the filmmaking progress, process starting with writing it I mean you knew you wanted to set it in India it would be in Hindi you don't speak Hindi Obviously, you're writing it in English. Uh, <clears throat> did you have someone translate the script for you, or was there just someone on, on set just, uh, just, I don't know, uh, just translating verbally?
2: Yeah, no. When I um, When I went over there for the second time to actually make the film, I had someone translate the script, right. and that person also ended up becoming our dialogue coach. Because the lead actor is a 13-year-old boy who didn't speak English, so I needed that translator there right. for, to give adjustments and things like that. So uh, that's how we did that part.
1: Yeah. What, what I mean, you went over there. How long were you over there to make the film? You said?
2: Well, I did this month of location scouting, and then everyone said, come back in six months. Okay. Because that's when brick-making season begins. So I went back, and the plan was to be there for three months. But when I got back, this was, uh, August, 2007, everyone said, Oh no, 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 it's not brick making season. You're here too early. And so like my jaw dropped and I'm like, what? So what ended up happening was we had to kind of find a dormant brick kiln and bring it back to life and mm-hmm. hire brick makers from another village to come in and make the thousands of bricks. And, um, to add insult to injury it was monsoon season and the monsoon would not end so we're there in August this monsoon supposed to end end of August maybe beginning of September planning to shoot um, mid-September and we had to push it and push it and push it so we almost actually had to cancel the shoot Um, but there was finally a clearing in the rain we got the 60 person crew out to the village and we just hustled to to strip all the green vegetation out of there because it was just covered in green, and we needed a warm, red, kind of hot color palette. And so we cleared it all out in two days, um, brought the actors in, and instead of um, work, filming in, a, in a, a working brick kiln like we originally planned, we just had to create our own brick kiln. And huh. so we brought in all the extras from the village, and... Um, like I said, we hired the brickmakers, and uh, we condensed our shooting schedule down from about ten days to seven days, and just hustled. And two hours after we wrapped the shoot, the rains came back, and just pouring oh, wow. through the set. So it was kind of a miracle that we even finished it.
1: Now, when did you you went first to do the location scouting, and then came back to make the film? When did you When did you do the casting?
2: The casting was when we got back to india so we got back discovered it wasn't brick making season continued ahead crewed up uh did our casting for about six weeks uh-huh. and uh then we did about three weeks of rehearsals was, the casting was a little less than six weeks and then three weeks of rehearsals and actually the nice thing about the monsoon was that it gave a, it gave us more time to rehearse and then we ended up shooting um mid-october of 2007 and I was back in the states in November. Wow! So, and then the post production took uh, over a year, and the um, because we were getting a lot of things for free, and uh-huh. free meant wait waiting around. And um, E Film donated a, a digital intermediate because we shot on oh. Super 16. Deluxe donated a 35 millimeter blow up. Um, we ended up getting a free sound mix at Sony Pictures because we kept on losing our sound mixers and this guy Kevin O'Connell who's been nominated for 20 Oscars uh, I asked him to be my sound mentor and so he was able to get us a free mix with this guy um, Christopher Barrick who was great and um, Kevin actually did the last pass um, with us on the sound mix so but that all took that all meant waiting around so in total it took two and a half years to make
1: so I'm looking um at the back of the D V D and just the, the the credits, there's a there's sort of a healthy mix of, of what seemed to be Indian names and what seemed to be sort of Western names. Mm-hmm. How many people did you bring with you? I mean
2: Um my wife, who is then uh my girlfriend, came uh-huh. over for the first three weeks to help with some pre production. And then um I brought over my cinematographer, John Harrison, and then my sound guy gentry smith so it was three americans about 57 indians on the um production and then we had about 40 extras who were locals from the village uh in the state of maharashtra where we were shooting
1: well i'd say uh, just my opinion is definitely worth bringing over that john harrison fellow because it's <laughs> a really great looking yeah, movie it's gorgeous and uh, i would say yeah Alongside yourself, that John Harrison and and, uh, and one Chris Witt, whoever whoever that is, the editor d- oh, deserved yeah. all equal kudos because it's a really well put together film.
2: They were amazing, and you know we had a fantastic crew, and that's part of what makes it makes the film what it is. And um, Chris Witt kind of came in at the last minute. We had another editor um, that didn't work out. Chris came in. He assembled the whole film in a day and a half i think which was ridiculously fast and um he just gave 110 percent yeah turned down some other jobs just to continue focusing on kavi and um yeah he was great and then john harrison um and i just had a great time working together we had done he actually shot overexposed as well and it was important for me to have not only a great cinematographer, but a good friend because we were living together for the six weeks that he came over. And, um, yeah, it, it, we, I was really happy with, with what he did. And, um, Bruce Block, uh, was my main mentor. He's the guy, um, at USC who teaches this class visual structure. He's also, he also produced like father of the bride and something's got to give and a bunch of other things but he focuses on this visual structure that john and i really wanted to incorporate into the film where um you can see it in the colors so for all of the scenes dealing with oppression it's warm colors all the Mm -hmm. scenes with liberation it's cool colors um deep space shots for the oppressive scenes flat space for the liberating scenes so all these visual elements kind of synergistically combining to enhance the structure of the story um so john executed it wonderfully
0: yeah i had a question about um working with the actors because i mean you had a fairly uh you know for for a short film three weeks of rehearsals pretty pretty great but at the same time you know a director has to work you know to get i i think the acting in the film is very good uh especially i mean on the on uh, the part of, of the actor playing Kavi, who he's young, and he doesn't speak your language, you don't speak his, and so you were able uh, to really get a good performance out of him. Um, how, did that, how did that work? I mean, uh, a director needs to have like a really good relationship with his actors, I think, and if you don't speak their language, I mean, was it, did it get frustrating at all? I mean, I have to assume it did.
2: Well, you know, um, Kavi's played by Sagar Salunke and this was actually my first time working with a child actor Mm -hmm. and he was just a delight to work with. And he, um, he did an amazing job. And part of the reason why I think is because we really connected. We Mm -hmm. were really comfortable with each other. We were looking for, we were, we did so much casting for finding, the lead role and we auditioned bollywood act child actors um kids from an after school program from the slums and but you know none of none of them were really working and and when Sagar walked into the room to audition we just smiled at one another and just really connected and um we just really hit it off and we were able to even though we didn't speak the same language, we were able to communicate in in other ways, and we kind of had an understanding i did I learned a little bit of Hindi and he learned a tiny bit of English, but we were really just relying on the translator to mm. facilitate that that conversation and you know he was just really willing to um be vulnerable and to push himself, and he wanted to do a good job so he he did um, yeah. And I remember
0: you telling me um when i first when I first saw the film and we were talking about it you uh I was asking about the the actor who played the boss, which is basically the the villain of the, of the film um and you said that uh that his acting style was uh not it didn't really gel with how you conceived the character um and that his seemed to be a little more kind of kind of bollywood influenced uh in kind of the way he he played a a villain is this okay to talk about uh you're not gonna get in trouble or anything for
2: okay is that um ulhas plays the uh the boss ulhas um did a fantastic job Mm -hmm. and yeah the bollywood system kind of necessitates um more uh, black and white performances, and I really wanted to get out some of the gray. Mm-hmm. And I think
1: that's true of all like uh, a, a lot of a lot of Asian cinema is is very have mm-hmm. hev- more hev- heavily theatrical and less 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 realism. Yeah, I mean that's not obviously true across the board, but it does seem like that happens. You know, if you look at uh, you know like Tashira Mifune is like great okay. actor, but he's clearly like playing for
0: the back row. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it really. Yeah, when I first you know, started encountering certain types of Asian cinema, it really took me out of it. And I thought, like, they're really overacting there. And I was like, that's a cultural thing, and I need to get over that myself. But, uh, but yeah, in a film like this that does take place in our reality and with such a nuanced performance by the, by the child, you know, the villain, you know, he, he can't seem like some... Crazy Mister Burns type or something from The Simpsons, and I I, I agree. I think he did a, a really great job. But, but yeah, I interrupted. You yeah, should. go go ahead.
2: Well, no, that's why. And that's why the rehearsals were so great. While we didn't have like a solid three weeks of rehearsals, we had that space, and uh, a lot of that during a lot of that time, I wanted to just play around with the performances. I wanted the actors to do the wrong thing mm-hmm. and to. Uh, do role reversals and things like that to find those little nuggets those little special nuggets in a performance done the wrong way that we could incorporate into the final Mm -hmm. performance so i think um ulhas enjoyed uh trying something different Mm -hmm. you know and this was something different for a lot of for a lot of the actors a a different style of of directing and a different style of working and preparing uh, because we put a lot of preparation into it, um the trick though was that on set, when I gave my adjustments for each different take, it was I like to keep my direction to um a minimum mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the words that I use. so when I would ask um the translator to give an adjustment or someone there might chime in. In Hindi, I don't know what they're saying, but they're putting a lot of information into the actor's head, and I have to—I had to like stop them and keep the adjustment very minimal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, they—they they all did a fantastic job. Yeah, well, I want
1: to talk, the, the, I'm glad you brought up the sort of uh, the more realistic and, and gray area of of his performance in particular, because it's it it, it lends to. It, that's true of the whole film, that it's not it's not black and white, and that lends to, I think, its effectiveness, because uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to lavish some more praise on your film here, but I, r- I really liked it. Um, but uh, er- early on, <clears throat> because I went in not knowing at all what it was about, just that it took place in India. That's all that Tyler told me. Um, and, like, you know, I talked about, like, the cinematography and editing. Like, there's a part early on, there's a bunch of quick cuts of them making the bricks, you know, and there's a certain, like it's not it's not dreary there's like there's life to that sequence and it's it's like a process film it's almost kind of fun and interesting you know and then you see you know the kid and then the first time you meet the boss he's like kind of nice to him and i I just like the fact that it not if you not if you don't know going in it'll it just sort of dawns on you that it's slavery it's not Mm -hmm. it's not like that from the beginning which i think is is a is a it's probably a good entry point if you're using this as a as a tool. You know, if you want to really get to people, it, it's going to make it seem more realistic. You know, because that's probably is the way it is. I I don't know. Is that how bo- bonded labor works? I mean, no one are people born into bond, bonded labor, or, or
2: is it? it they it, they can be. It it depends on the situation, um, but often people are tricked into taking loans from. Uh, loan givers who have no intention of ever letting them repay the loan Mm -hmm. and then they're forced to work until they can find another way to repay it and the work doesn't necessarily count towards paying off that loan. And if they try to escape, they're often beaten and then charged for the price of their bandages Mm -hmm. and a lot of times these people can be taken advantage of because they're not only illiterate but they may also be innumerate. And so it's kind of an endless cycle and if that Uh, debt is never paid off then it can be passed down through generations and this can be something as small as a five dollar loan or even less um and if they do ever escape then the uh owners of these facilities will go and get their extended family of the slave that escaped and force them to work in their place so oftentimes there are no bars and like one of the taglines for the film is not all prisons have bars uh, because there are other means of keeping people oppressed and working and enslaved. But in terms of how we started the film, that's all I, I, I wanted to show that there's more than meets the eye in these situations. Often as Westerners Westerners, we might look at, at a family working, in a situation like this and just assume that it's a cultural thing but if you actually look into the details of the situation it it may be darker even though it has um uh, a different facade mm-hmm. and you know that's also why we didn't start the film with any music because we right. wanted it to feel like we were taking an intimate peek into this very real world And if you start the film off um, with music or with uh, a very shocking situation, it doesn't leave much space. Right. Um, It doesn't leave much for you, uh, much space for you to progress. So I just wanted to create that kind of progression in in the film.
0: Now, um, this is actually going back a a little bit, but uh, at what point in the process did you decide that you wanted the film to be from the perspective of,
2: of a child? um fairly early or yeah uh pretty early on okay actually that right at the beginning okay i mean just the the concept of a child who has to work just broke my heart and i wanted to share that with people
0: okay um well i guess we're getting we're getting uh uh getting on in time so i think yeah we've uh, talked about the the production
1: let's talk about what's happened Since you completed the film.
2: Oh, well, first I just wanted to give a shout out to my composer, Patrick Kirst also, because he did an amazing job and we're working with a sitarist named Paul Livingstone, who um, I I just love his cue uh, during the brick moving sequence. And the the two of them did a great job. And that was actually a real tricky point because I found out that 95% of Indian music is improv. And (laughs) uh, so it was a real challenge making that happen. Um, in terms of what's happening now with the film, it's, it's been a really exciting run. Um, we, uh, you know, the the big thing that happened early on was the Student Academy Award, and that's opened up some doors. And now, um, yeah, just found out on Friday that we have been shortlisted for the Oscars yeah. Yeah. for the short live but action category. Explain
1: and, the Student Academy Awards, because I don't really know a lot about Student
2: that. Academy Award, is, the Student Academy Awards is... Uh, four students it's through the academy of motion picture arts and sciences and it's i think this year there were about 600 students that applied and from film schools across the country and around the world and um they whittle it down they go through several selection processes and it ends up being um Three winners from each category, and each category has gold, silver, and bronze. And you won the gold. Yeah, we won the gold. So. Gary Oldman gave me the award. It was pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. There's
1: a there's a ceremony? And, yeah, and there's just, a
2: ceremony at the Academy. They screened, you wore tux, I imagine? Um, no, I, I wore a suit, though. <laughs> um, and they screened the winning films in the theater, and, man, it was just an amazing experience and the the academy actually puts on this whirlwind of events throughout the week like we had a meeting with the writers guild with the um, american society of cinematographers dinners with the uh, board of governors of the academy and other academy members so it was just uh, an amazing experience so now
1: if you get if you end up getting nominated you'll you'll attend the oscars yeah right <laughs> will, will you do me a favor and rent a tux
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'll see we'll, we'll chip in if you want we can, <laughs> you know. um, Now uh, So you've So you've gone to like all kinds of film festivals And so there's And you've been honored you know uh, Several times but uh, Something I was curious about You know people seem to be very aware Of you know the artistic achievement of the film um, How about the social Element like ha- have people How have people responded to you know, because you said that you kind of want to make a difference with this film. You want to get an issue raised where it wouldn't otherwise be. And how has that, uh, how has response been to that? Have, have you gotten people saying, wow, I didn't even know about that. I mean, how has that worked out?
2: It's been pretty exciting to see the audience's reactions. A lot of times people don't know that this exists and it's, um, a great opportunity for them to do something about it. So uh, it's also encouraging to hear the forward thinking questions after screenings. If I'm there for the Q and a where people want to know what they can do. And the best thing they can do um, is support these anti-slavery organizations that are actually fighting it and trying to end it. Mm -hmm. So if you go to the website, copy dot com, you can find a list of some of the organizations who are, Uh, combating uh, modern slavery, and um, I'm also trying to partner with some of these organizations so that they can send the DVD out out to raise awareness and thinking of other creative ways that we can, um, you know, do our part. And then now,
0: I believe it's, is it this week or next week, you're actually heading to Washington, D.C.,
2: yeah next week.
0: And uh, what are you doing there?
2: Um uh, I was invited to screen Kavi uh on Capitol Hill for the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. Wow. So, yeah, it's, we're really excited about that. And so we're trying to get organizations there. We're trying to like the people who are organizing it uh organizing it on Capitol Hill are already inviting their people, but it's it will be open to the public and i'm trying to get other organizations there i'm trying to get some press there really you know anything that we can do to make the most of it because it is a worthy cause and um people enjoy the film and it's a a different way of raising awareness now you also
0: have uh a feature length version of the script and that's all worked out that's done so when 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 the right person sees the film and they say, I want this only longer, you're all good You got it all worked out.
2: Well, we're, I'm doing a, we're, um, I'm doing a rewrite on the script right now and polishing and, um, I've got some other script ideas and I'm looking for other ideas to turn into scripts. So mm. if anyone <laughs> has anything, let me know. But yeah, the, the, uh, the feature, the feature length version of Kavi I'm really excited about and, um, now, if you were able to do the feature length,
1: would you uh, would you adjust for the fact that uh, your lead actor is a couple of years older now, or would you have to recast? Well, I would
2: want to get Sagar in there somehow, right, mm-hmm. and uh, and the other actors as well. But um, we might have to make some adjustments. Yeah, but um, yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, David and I—we've
0: got a concept for you. Back in college, David <laughs> and I were trying to think of, you know, what would be the biggest money maker. And uh, we had come up with a, a concept where the mob has purchased a baseball team.
1: I can't believe you're giving away our. No, you better delete that. <laughs> oh, our, man. Our I'll, I'll, I'll take that out. Yeah, this is going to be <laughs> our can't anyway, fail right? script. <laughs> That's right. <I'm laughs> it's sorry. literally the dumbest, most audience pleasing, <laughs> yeah. lowest common denominator
0: movie in the world. That's right. I think it wasn't. Yeah, I don't remember the specifics, but that was oh, the basic I, concept. Oh, I sh- I, we had it cast, and I remember <laughs> that, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so uh, so that, you know what? We're not really moving in the filmmaking direction anymore. <laughs> right. You give us a story by credit. <laughs> you get screen r- written and directed by, him. you can take it. <laughs> Thanks. And you can show it to whoever you want on Capitol Hill, uh, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, Sorry that uh, made me laugh because we never talked about our ridiculous idea. Yeah, and uh, but it would. We, sure... we, we should actually write that. I agree. All right, let's... surefire moneymaker. <laughs> um. So. Uh, so yeah, was there anything else that uh, that you wanted to say? Uh, the the sites uh, like anti-slavery sites are available at caviinthemovie mm-hmm. As are copies of the DVD, which yep. are now available for sale. Yep. Talk more about that.
2: Uh, well we've just got these dvds made and mm-hmm. they're 10 bucks and um you can see a trailer uh for the movie on the website if you're curi- if you're curious about it mm-hmm. and uh we're, we're also on facebook um the link for that is the easy link is tiny com slash kavi dash page so that's t-i-n-y-u-r-l dot com and then on twitter twitter twitter.com slash g but you know we're just trying to uh, get the ball rolling and create momentum with uh, grassroots marketing Mm -hmm. Um, and people can host screenings uh, in their homes if they want to raise awareness that way and if there's an if there's an anti-slavery organization they want to partner with we can we can link them up so that they can help support them, uh, help support those organizations. So we're trying to get creative and, and um, have as many people see it as possible.
0: And uh, okay. So here's what we'll go ahead and say is that um, we are also, we at Battleship Retention with the, uh, with the assistance more assist, more than assistance, I would say of, uh, of Greg here. uh, We're going to be giving away three copies of the film. Yeah. uh, Autographed by Greg. And so, what you do, just uh email uh, Tyler at battleshipttention dot com and say, "Hey, I would like that dVD uh, and then uh, we will put we'll put all those people into the randomizer that we've <laughs> talked so much about before in the past and uh, and then we will announce uh, next week or the week after uh, who who will get them, and then we will send them to you uh, because we really do. Love the film, both David and I really enjoy the yeah. film and uh and we do feel that it's an important message, but it's also a really you know great acting beautifully shot uh wonderfully edited and it's just uh, it's just a really solid film, and we want people to be able to see it so so yeah uh email me tyler at battleshippreension dot com and uh and uh just say i i would like a copy of that film thank you, and uh we will get it to you okay and again- if if you're selected by the randomizer, of course of
1: course yeah uh so well thanks for uh coming on the show thanks for having me this is uh, great so uh, again it's it's kavi the kavi the movie.com right or twitter.com slash g helvey yeah all all of those links all
2: of those links are on the kavi the movie website that's that's your one-stop shop um, yeah just you know (laughs) tell people about it and if anyone wants to do articles or press or whatever we can use all the help we can get
0: all right. And less people think that I uh, am trying to shut down this other film overexposed. Uh, I, I like that film as well. I was just you're just uh, trying to shut down I, any any conversation of it, Um right. But uh, Cause you're afraid that my libertarian streak
1: would clash with the <laughs> with Greg's moral streak, right? Right. Hey, you I haven't <laughs> seen the film. I haven't <laughs> seen this. That's Hey, it that was Tyler's assumption. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Anyway, um, but that's overexposed. The movie dot .com. com,
2: and then are uh, are copies of that available for a person yeah. to? Um, well, uh, we are. Th- that's it's just for the material. Okay. The cost of the DVD and um, the shipping and all of that. I'm not charging for the actual film. Okay.
0: Huh. All right, and yeah, and that's so a good one.
2: E- they can send an email through that website yeah. too.
0: And that's a good one, too, and we'll have you back to talk about that one. And uh, perhaps have uh, a, a spirited debate, maybe? Maybe, maybe. yeah. What do you think? I'm, debate? I'm good at spirited debates. Res- respectful. Yeah, why not? I'm good at respectful, spirited debates. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yes, as, as David said, Greg, thank you very much for being here. This was really great. Thanks for having me guys all right and, and as uh, always
1: you can find us at battleship dot com email us at david at battleshiptention dot com or Tyler at battleshiptention dot com that's right feel free to click on donate on the website that's an option uh follow me on Twitter at the pretension yeah uh and follow Tyler on twitter
0: at more lessons right and uh you can subscribe to us on iTunes write us a review uh, write us a nice review a few people have and we really appreciate it and uh I think oh uh this tuesday night uh uh-huh. Um, you can hear us on the slash filmcast. Oh, we'll be
1: discussing The Road. The Road.
0: Uh, and that, I mentioned that because it is, uh, you can listen to it live streaming. At uh, uh, slash filmcast?
1: Yeah, you can look it huh? up.
0: I don't know the specifics because <laughs> I didn't think about it until just now. I wasn't planning on <laughs> plugging it and then I remembered. Um, so yeah, uh, so you can find us there uh, this Tuesday evening. So uh, So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, Tuesday around. Around 7.30-ish Pacific time. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And, uh, yeah, we hope you'll listen. And uh, uh, thanks for listening to this. Indeed, yes. We'll get you next time. All right,
0: bye. Bye.
2: Testing, testing, one, two, three. Abracadabra. One, two, three. Come 1, two, on. 3 Alright Check,
0: check Hello, hello No, it's my turn now Testing. Check, check No <laughs> Check, check Hello, hello